You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello. Hello. How are you? Um... What exactly are you asking about? I'm asking how are you? My emotional status, my physical status, my financial status, my vibe, my Saturday last day before the beginning of my work week day. You know, it's to be a little more specific. (laughs) How are you in general? (laughs) That's not specific. (laughs) I can't answer that question. Uh, I'm too complex. Sid talks fine, let's say. Fine. <laughs> she had a birthday this week. She's older. Also had an aunt die. She's also wiser. had a new baby added to the family. So, you know, it's been a weird few days. So what we're saying is you're older, you're wiser, you're better, you're faster, you're stronger. And my family has leveled out. One in, one out. I was going to say that's a, a good... L- but it's not. It's, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not funny. But my family has a weird thing about death. So, you know. All right. So, what was the before the after the show discussion? You were talking about this movie, reading reviews about this movie. That's about it. All and right. I'm, so I'm playing Cities Skylines. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to our podcast. It's Saturday, November the seventh. It is not. Remember, remember the 5th of November. This is not Saturday, November 7th. <laughs> the 7th was Thursday. That's that right. Was, that was my birthday. <laughs> it's Saturday, November the 9th. I mean, we can keep doing the 7th over and over. That is fine with me. Yeah. But I don't think, you know, also it doesn't matter because they're not listening to it right now. They're listening to it in the future. It could be 2025 on a Saturday night in the middle of December when they're listening to this. All right. It is Saturday, December the 9th, no. 2027. <laughs> And you're listening to After the Show, and this is number 607. It will always be number 607, no matter when you're listening. Or 607, without the end. 607. 607. Uh, we're a movie review podcast, and we're going to review a movie for you this week. Like we're we do a every- marital review, movie review podcast, therefore you get the We only review movies banter. about marriage. <laughs> hmm. Well, then, this one's <laughs> off the table. There's a bit of a marriage here between Oh, so now we're having a loose... So I can't interpret fine and how are you loosely, but you can very loosely interpret what is marriage. All right. Come on. Let's stop bickering now. There is actually a show on their, a radio in the <laughs> 40s called The Bickersons. The Bickersons? Are they always bickering? <laughs> yeah, it's hardcore. I can't listen to it for very long at a time. <laughs> it's not like, you know, they're horrible, like swearing at each other or anything but it's it's that kind of comedy or right. just constant insults and like misunderstandings and they don't say like shut the fuck up <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> no but M- mrs bickerson shut the fuck up <laughs> if somebody were to re-record them and make it sound right and every once in a while you had that in there you just be like damn that's real life no not that you ever say that 
All right, so... Actually, in my house, it is not allowed to tell anyone to shut up, just so everyone knows. Mm. It it wasn't when I was growing up, and it wasn't when I was taking care of any children. I don't have children. It is not allowed. Sometimes we both tell Gary to shut up on MasterChef. Oh, well, that's different. He's a guy on TV. He can't hear us. We're talking about each other. We watch MasterChef, the Australian version, and one of the the hosts. We we just kind of disagree with him. So obnoxious. We just tell him to shut up. It takes about five minutes, and he'll say something that my first time of like, shut up, Gary. All right. Sorry, Gary, if you listen to this, but it is what it is. So uh, the movie we're looking at this week is, this is the full title, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. But I like to go by the names Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. It's a 2019 movie released on Blu-ray on November the 5th. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. See, now I can say it. And it is rated PG-13. You could say it any time. <laughs> and it's from our friends at Universal who sent us a copy of the 4K release for review. Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of Hobbs and Shaw. And then I'll give you the synopsis off the box, which I haven't got, so I'll have to go and get it. A mismatched pair saving the world against a bad guy who is, you know pinky to the side of his mouth kind of bad guy but taking it a little more seriously you didn't even hear what i said because you were out (laughs) my god you just let so much cold air in here i heard the word seriously our computer room office slash computer room slash actual master bedroom in the house but it's not a bedroom for us um we keep it warm during cool days by having games playing on our computers like mine right now cities you will play other things and when you open the door it's like oh i say if you want an excellent space heater you just (laughs) need the nvidia geforce rtx 1070 it's very very warming to the room and these monitors when you put your hands up right in front of the mine anyway there's warmth coming that's true anyway um Life this, lessons along with your movie review. And this is a life um, thing. There's nothing to do with this podcast, but I'll tell you anyway. Sid Talk, um, our Amazon device was going off like an alarm in the kitchen. Oh. It's very unprofessional for me to say that on the podcast. But that, that was, was for my... I was making a cup of tea, which is in my hand. So oh, I left fine. the room before I thought I it was like something was in the oven and it was burning. No. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I undid my tea bag before the timer went off. All right. But it's fine. I don't want anyone to worry about it. My tea is fine. And mentioning tea, it's in this cup. I'm showing it to the microphone, but I know you can't see it because there's no camera here. It is Louise Belcher, who happens to be from, I'm not going to say my very favorite show of all time, because MASH is actually my favorite television show of all time, but Bob's Burgers ranks right up there. And uh, I don't care who likes it or doesn't like it or anything. I just love it. And it has... Burger of the day that Louise has clearly written on the board, top butt burger. And then it says, your face looks like a butt, $5.95. And that was my birthday gift from my loving husband. That's true. (laughs) It's going with my Bob's Burger set of Funko Pops and Monopoly game. So your synopsis of the movie is going to be followed by the official synopsis. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. It's in, the text is so small, I don't know how anybody could read it. Like Death Stranding? It's very small. <laughs> anyway, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham return to their unforgettable roles as Hobbs and Shaw in this action-packed feature from the blockbuster Fast and the Furious franchise. 
For years, hulking lawmen Luke Hobbs and lawless outcast Deckard Shaw have traded smack talk and body blows. But when cybergenetically enhanced anarchist Brixton gains control of an insidious bio-threat that could alter humanity forever, Hobbs and Shaw must partner up to bring down the only guy who might be badder than themselves. That is not what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Two mismatched guys come together to save the world because there's a bad guy and he's... I said he's like pinky to the side of the mouth kind of bad guy, but serious. Like, so it's wacky, but it's badass at the same time. I'm just going to start off by saying I really enjoyed this movie. I am not a Fast and the Furious kind of gal. I get it. You love it. It's fun. But I've never like sat in like other than number three, which of course everyone else is least favorite, really enjoyed what I'm seeing, the experience of it. And this just had everything I liked. It was kind of dumb, but it was also like hardcore. It had those fight scenes that I like, like from Atomic Blonde and Bourne movies, like hardcore fighting over the top weirdness, you know, where you're like, that would kill a person. This but. is this is from the director of Atomic Blonde, so that's yeah. probably not a coincidence. And I, um, I really enjoyed it. I liked the way it looked. I didn't mind the dumbness or the wacky craziness of it or at all. I enjoyed it thoroughly. So. You liked it better than a regular Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, for um, one reason. I'm not, other than Pitch Black, I'm not a Vin Diesel fan. Yeah, what I said last week was, uh, oh, next week we're watching Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw and Sid Talk's going to roll her eyes and she was... You actually said, oh. Right. So, but I had a good time. Fun so. to know that you liked it. I take back my eye roll. So let me say from the top here, I, I am a fan of Fast and the Furious. Yes, I know it's really dumb. And some we people say... We all know it's dumb. Some people say, oh, that's a guilty pleasure. No, I don't feel guilty watching Fast and the Furious. Nah. But I, yes, I understand it's dumb. But there's something... I just like watching fast cars and I like watching action stunts. And, you know, Fast and the Furious has kind of developed over the years and it went from, like, a car racing movie to, like, a James Bond movie. Like a like a giant action blockbuster, didn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. very different from the beginning to the what it is now. And I kind of like how it went. You know, it's kind of ridiculous. Somebody said in the... But you've always liked it. Be fair. You've yeah, always I liked it. But somebody said, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a Fast and the Furious in space. And I wouldn't be surprised either because it's kind of, it's crazy at this point. In this one, they've got like a bionic man. Yeah, nobody made a joke about the $6 million man or the bionic man or the bionic woman. No. Or even a Cyberman or anything. I mean, this is crossing over into sci-fi, this movie. and Is it though? Because think about it. I mean, it's sci-fi because it's beyond what we can do. Yeah. However, like, put us forward 500 years. Right now, you can put a mechanical heart in a person and they'll live. You can put mechanical lungs in a person. You can put another animal or another human's lungs inside of a person and it works. You can give somebody a prosthetic arm that... Yes, it's in the early, early, early stages, but can respond to what you want it to do. Like very early stages. I was just watching some sciencey videos the other day, but if that's possible now, right? 
Yeah. Then talking about improving our speed and our strength and our stamina and all that stuff. I don't think it's completely out of the question. It's science fiction now because it's fiction mixed with quote unquote science. But um, that's why I think I like it because it's just squeezed right in that little tiny niche where you're like, that seems like someday, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it's um, so... Right off the bat, it's kind of like um, I said. There's a mixture. This is a mixture of things. Yes, the Fast and the Furious influence is in there. There is there is car stuff. There are fancy cars. There are hot rod cars. But that's actually secondary to everything else. Really, mm-hmm. it's like a buddy cop movie a bit. Yeah, that's what I said. Mismatch pair. Yeah, it's um, like a, a Mission Impossible movie because some of the scenarios they set up seem like they're impossible and then they go in there and do them it's really crazy at some points they're driving they're driving cars up like up, up a crane and what it got crazy in the middle of the movie right mm-hmm. um it's a lot of cg it's a lot of like improbable things that look really cool in slow motion like a motorcycle going under a bus but um i can kind of forgive it all because it's it knows what it is, right? Right off the bat, it is... It doesn't feel like they're trying to be, you know... They're never trying to be, like, we're taking this seriously. No, not too much. Because, like, the, in the very opening scene, when you first see Idris Elba, and she says, who are you? And he says, the bad guy. <laughs> and that's where you're like, oh, this is the level of this. Don't get... It's not going to get too complicated. It's... That's the bad guy. They're the good guys. Bad versus good. That's it. It feels like a video game, I, f- I feel. In part, oh, yeah. Had the baddie lot. with like, hey, you've got to do this and I'll do that so yeah. we can defeat him. Absolutely. Yep. I it, bought into that. You know, even down to the uh, final boss at the end in the little stage that it's in. Yes. If you noticed. <laughs> <laughs> it Like if this was translated into a video game, it would completely work. There'd be car chases, shooting... And then you've got to come at the bad guy with a certain amount of uh, tactics. And I play a lot of video games, and video games are often accused of having, like, dumb kind of story. And, like, why doesn't somebody, like, get more serious with a video game? But this feels like a video game. It's a lot of, you know, not it's not fantastic writing or anything, is it? Like, the script is kind of, you know? No, it's just that... I don't mind. It's a little bit sappy. You know, you've got the element of like an entire people's, you know, we'll just say it. They go to Samoa and it's like a little bit over the top with the like, we will stand our ground as a people because all we're talking about is like one bad guy. Yes, he's trying to do something to the whole entire world. And yet all of a sudden the heavy handedness of this family bond, which like you said, is a thread through all of fast and furious, um, stories. Yeah. That was a bit like shoved down your throat, but it was fine. I was fine with it. Yeah. They, they did the, at the end, they did that thing with like his family, his family, everything's about family. And here's one thing I actually really appreciate it. There are no twists. There are no, Gotchas. No, it's not Mission Impossible where somebody pulls a mask off. Straight up, what it is, and I like. I really like that. Um, I I felt at first when they 
I'm used to Fast and the Furious movies, and they do have a couple of wisecracks and stuff, but generally they kind of do take themselves a bit serious, and it, they, they're like more like an action movie with a tiny bit of comedy. And this one like doesn't do that. It goes full on, like, we're just going to be funny when we can. And it starts with, like, you see the at the very beginning during the credits, it splits the screen, and you see, like, The Rock's life, and you see Jason Statham's life, like, them waking up in the morning. Yeah, how, I like that. How different they that well, how different and how the same they are. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and you see that comparison and then as soon as they turn up on the screen together, it's them bickering like the Bickersons. <laughs> yeah. And they you know, it every second after that, whenever they can have a dig at each other, they do. And I So thought, that can get a little old. I thought it was gonna get old, but I thought it was actually whoever wrote the bickering it was quite funny. Like some of it was stupid. Some of it was like, I'm watching the WWE. Like it's like you know when the wrestlers like mm-hmm. go look at the camera and say, "I'm going to kill him," and I'm going to. It's like that. But then sometimes the things they say are actually quite funny. So I didn't get fed up of them bickering at each other. And you know, it, I'm not spoiling anything really, but. It's a bit weighted. I mean, it's heavy in the movie that if you really love that, then yeah, you're looking forward to it every time. After about the third round, third scene of it, I was a little bit over it. But that's, you know. I really liked, there's there's a scene where they have to be in disguises to get on this plane. <laughs> um, and it's... They're, Hilarious. They're just in these ridiculous costumes. like, And it, it's just really, I thought that was really funny. Uh, things like that, they seem stupid. It's like making fun of spy movies, like where people have to put on a disguise, but it was actually funny. And then, what did you think of, there's a scene in the movie where there are two doors and they both go in a, in a door and then they fight down a corridor. And it's, it's I've never quite seen anything quite like it. It's, it's like the rock's on one side and Statham's on the other side. There's a pane of glass in between them. The rock's doing a thing and Statham's beating a lot of people up. And it's... It's like a comedy skit because... It is, and it's like what the guy you just watched who reviewed it said. It is like, this movie does have like cartoon elements. Yeah, it's like... That's how it feels. It's like Elmer Fudd or something like... It's like... Or even like, if you want to go with a movie that's cartoony, you could say, speaking of Pinky to this corner of the mouth, but it's a little bit like that. Uh, Austin Powers, you know? Yeah. So wacky to watch, and yet it's still... They have... Those hardcore fights things in there kind of balances it out. I yeah, don't know. I, I won't justify why I like those scenes because that was kind of fun. It's like a fight. It's like a fight scene from John Wick, but then they threw a lot of comedy into it <laughs> at the same time. John Wick has its own elements of comedy. And then there's like The Rock just like doing his thing over here, and Statham beating tons of people up, smashing them against the glass. And then he has to use the faces in like this facial scanner at the end, and he's slamming them into it. But it's like... It makes you wonder, who are they making this movie for? Now, this is very <laughs> violent, and yep. the idea of the entire population being decimated um, because of, you know, something the bad guy wants to do is pretty grown up. But it's very marketed to either very, like, low low expectations, we'll say. So I have low expectations of this, the comedy, the blah, 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 just kind of is... It's fine. I get it. It's fun. Or children. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But is this for children? Because children would laugh at that. I know. And it, what they is think it? it's hilarious. What rating is it? It's a PG-13. So, yes, you could have 
you know, kids are going to see this, right? Because they used the F word once, but they both said it at the same time. Yeah? In the very beginning. Yeah, they're only allowed one in this type of movie, and they use it. And then it doesn't have any sex in it. Nope. It never goes like that. But, I mean, it is extremely violent in parts, right? I mean, there's a lot of shooting, and there's a lot of smashing people's faces in, and, you know? There's not blood, though, hardly. No. Think about it. It's a bit like uh, the A-Team, where where they just kind of fall over. (laughs) Because there's a lot of fighting. Yeah. Interesting. Because you watch the A-Team when you're a kid, and it is really violent. They knock a load of people out and stuff, but nobody. there's never any blood. And when people get shot, they're just kind of dazed on the floor. Like they, Yeah. They make it clear that nobody's dead. And this is kind of like that, because even when he goes down that corridor smashing all those guys, they're not dead, those guys. It doesn't appear to be. No. So, yeah, I guess it's it's like Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes, or like Tweet, Sylvester and Tweety. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, Roadrunner and Coyote. Like, you fully expect somebody to hit somebody in the face with a frying pan. And then go, moi, 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 Well, actually, they did. He did hit a guy in the head with a frying pan. He did. And a toaster. And a toaster. <laughs> I love it, because I can bring up another movie reference. And if anyone knows this, I'm not going to tell you what it is. What is you get, it? So you get crash, and the guy stands up, and he says, the bitch hit me with a toaster. So You know what that is? You win nothing. <laughs> and, yeah, and Statham hits many people. He hits quite a few dudes in the head with a toaster. Just two. Maybe well, three. Three dudes, I reckon. Yeah. But I mean, he, I was thinking I would toast. A to- being hit with a toaster is hardcore. Being hit with anything. <laughs> if, if somebody just smacks you on the face. I mean, like, jokingly. It's pain. So that's why I think I like these sort of, like, visceral... The way they stage them and choreograph them, we all know they're not really beating each other up. But we've seen enough extras to know it's a dance, and they're really working at making, you know, the camera angles and then, like, the... Just, like, your body moves in a certain way, right? If you get knocked over or bumped. But if you're faking it, we know it shows up a lot if people aren't very good at the stunt kind of work. And in this one, I really liked everything, except there were a few of those, like... Oh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, uh, bouncing their head like oh, 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 when they got punched or whatever. They were like, you know, the guys we saw on John Wick when they, we watched the extras, that bunch of guys who, yeah, they're from martial, martial arts, arts movies from like the 70s and 80s, that yeah. kind of reaction. But yeah. other than that, I was convinced. And special effects in this movie is, is really, I thought was really well done. There's a lot of CG. Pretty good. No, come on. There's times when you're like, oh, God. There's a lot of CG going on, but then it gets insane. They've got, like, cars, and they've got a, a helicopter, like, winched to the back of a car, and they've got cars being pulled up <laughs> off the floor. They've got a scene where they're, like, driving through, like, a quarry-ish type place, and they're driving up on, like, gantries and... You know that bit where he's in that buggy and she's like flying out of the front window and yeah. it, it, it's it's like That was cool. Yeah, there's a lot of like really cool like James Bondish but like over the top. Like James Bond wouldn't ever go that far. Cuz it James Bond tries to be a bit more realistic. Does it? Or doesn't it? I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean this there's many times where you're like oh, as if like <laughs> he drives a car around a, a gantry in like a factory, and he's he drives it around, and he st- does a like a power slide, and he's perfectly on. He doesn't fall off. He goes around, and then he jumps out of a window. It's like 
Uh, I don't think that could physically happen, but hey, you just got to go with it. And yeah, go with it because, I mean, you're not watching it to watch people sit in a room and do a podcast. No. You're watching a movie to see crazy shit sometimes. Sometimes heart-wrenching real-life connection, other times like this. Yeah, this is none of that. It's just action, cars They've chasing. tucked enough the brother-sister and the brother-brother thing I liked. Right. It got a little heavy there just because when they went to the to Samoa, then the whole thing. But the idea of it that they've been se- both been separated from their siblings for so long and not necessarily why, but just kind of mending those family things, I think is, I liked it. And let's not forget about our lovable Jason Statham character in this movie, how in Fast and the Furious <laughs> 7, he murdered a whole hospital full of people. Yeah, he's the, murdered. Bad, he's the bad guy, everybody. <laughs> Don't forget. But in this one, he's so lovable. We're he... trying to erase that. I bet if they keep him up, they're going to try to find a way to make that scene, bring it back in and show that... He didn't do it. He didn't actually kill everyone. Right. Just They were just all knocked. There'll be some mention like, you know, back seven years ago when the hospital full of people were... Like, put to sleep for three hours by bad guy Jason Statham. <laughs> it's actually one of my favorite openings to the Fast and the Furious good. movies. Unexpected. You're like, whoa. Because what it does is it shows you Jason Statham sat next to his brother who's in a hospital bed. And he's just talking to his brother about, like, you know, the past and, like, his brother's in a really bad way. And then the camera just slowly pans backwards and it goes through the door. And you see, like, the staff of the hospital and you see dead nurses and you see dead and then the camera pans all the way out and it's just this trail of death and then you realize there were dead nurses and stuff there was dead everything i don't think so and then you realize when it gets to the door oh statham did all that and then now you love him in this movie he's a cheeky chappy that's how it works (laughs) so yeah don't forget he was a mass murderer um so yeah into it's really dopey the story barely the story to me feels like it's just, you know, we got to have action sequences and this kind of facilitates them. You know, the story is not that great, right? The story is not not great. It's just very standard. There's yeah. nothing, nothing spectacular to- about a bad guy who wants to improve humanity and in the process take down all the, which is, it's very political because they name the virus what the very conservative people in the American politics world call the very liberal people in the politics world, which is snowflake. And that it is going to be killing all of them. It's killing all the weak people. So all the strong people can like take over and make the world a better place. Now I really liked the idea of the virus thing, but it was never demonstrated to us. It was was just suggested what it did. So I, I needed a demonstration to make it feel real to me. Did well, you want the sister to die? Not the sister to die, but <laughs> somebody in a laboratory show us what happens. Or maybe put it in the scientist guy. I'll put it in somebody just... and we see their eyes pop out or whatever happens. And we go, oh God, yeah, it's horrific. But in this movie, you just have to go, oh, well, this, this virus is pretty bad. You just have True. to take the word for it. Nobody ever gets horrifically killed by it. Um, so that kind of ruined a bit of the like the virus stakes. magic for you <laughs> yeah the stakes were a bit lower because i was like well i've never seen anybody get anything i've just have to take this guy's word for it so um 
yeah, as you know, this could become its own thing that's not Fast and the Furious. In fact, if you took Fast and the Furious off it, it would also work, I think, without the name on the cover. Mm. Just Hobbs and Shaw. It would work as an action movie in its own right. You don't need to know anything about Fast and the Furious, right? True. Absolutely nothing. Even if you'd never and seen... in fact, that would, com- that would erase everything we just talked about. You would have no idea that Jason Statham... Right, so he'd be was lovable the bad off guy the bat. in two of the movies. So bad, in fact, it was like, uh, you know, he was like, bad guy. Yeah. You would have no idea. Nope. So that is... Yeah, it it operates completely outside of that franchise as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking, well, I've never seen these Fast and the Furious movies, I'm not going to see this. If you just want to see an action movie, you don't yeah. need to have any knowledge. <laughs> not all. at all, no. You'll be fine. It's all set up at the beginning, what's happening, and it never, like, it's never like, oh, well, you need to... Like, if you watch Watchmen on HBO at the moment, which I love, it yeah. helps if you know about the story of Watchmen a lot. It does, but it also doesn't matter, because you tell me a bunch of stuff, and it's like, oh, well, I didn't know that existed, but right. it's not taking away from me enjoying what it is, but you adding things to it is basically what's happening. In my mind, there's nothing missing yet. Right. Nothing to fill in, where we've watched some movies where I've said, the people who write it, the people who make it, have a whole bunch more story in their brain, so when they edit this down, they're filled in, and we're not... This movie isn't like that. This is like, you can just pluck it off the shelf and have no idea who they even are or anything. Just don't let Fast and Furious, like, run you off. Yeah, because I know there are a lot of people who are like, I don't watch those Fast and Furious. I wouldn't have watched it. No? To be honest, no. But. I'm one of those people. I just drag you into it. (laughs) Drag me to hell. All right, so um, the cast here, Dwayne Johnson plays Hobbs. You're a fan of the Dwayne Johnson. I do like Dwayne Johnson. What is it about him? Like? I don't know. His personality? He's like a... Is it his movie starness? No, like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. How is to it an intangible? Qualify. It's an intangible and I don't mind the sort of bigger than life charm that we kind of see in the extras and then it comes through, you know, on the screen. I don't mind it. Some other people, it makes me want to punch him in the face, which is funny because Jatham's, they tell each other in the movie, you know, your face is so horrible. It's like God's vomiting in my eyeballs. <laughs> and then the other guy's like, your voice is so awful. It's like my balls are scraping on glass. I don't have that for either one of these. I like them both. Yeah. So I have no vomiting glass balls or anything. <laughs> I'm good. There are other people, though. Oh, my God. That I can't handle. Those jokes that Sid Talk just told you, that that's kind of the level of the jokes in this <laughs> yeah. movie. But somehow it works. I don't... Even but I was like... The reason that I identify with that is there are people in real life that when I hear them talking or I see their face, I don't have those precise descriptions to give you, but something happens and I am... I want to say those horrible things to the person. <laughs> I don't. But I understood completely, so I identified with that little comedy skit. So um, Jason Statham plays Shaw. I really like Jason Statham since The Transporter. Actually, further back than The Transporter, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels was when I first was introduced to him. Um, are you a fan? I mean, hit and miss, but I like Transporter first one. Um, what else is Second Transporter was good too. Yeah, but nothing beats a guy throwing a woman at 
the bad guys. There's a mean. woman throwing in this one too. He didn't throw her. He just picked her up. Yeah, picked her up with, with one arm. One arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, uh, Idris Elba did throw one of these guys, and so that was uh, to me an homage to throwing the woman in the first one. Statham's pretty one note, like the like this the rockets. You know what? In this one, if you watch close enough in a few scenes when they're really going back and forth at each other, I think they made each other better. And right. I'm not saying they're like, you know. Another one that was good for Dwayne Johnson was No Pain, No Gain. Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain. <laughs> That's the one. That's a Michael Bay movie. Where he had to be a different kind of character, kind of dummy down, but I mean, really he was still a bodybuilder type. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think you can escape that part. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do, right? Well, I guess he was the Tooth Fairy, wasn't he? Yes. And something else where he was with a little kid. Yeah. Um, seems like these kind of stars, Arnold, him. Yeah, they go all through. go through the range of like, here's the kid comedy, uh, yeah. here's the old lady comedy, here's the like buddy comedy, here's the serious one. What's his serious one so far? Oh, he was in that other one that was pretty good. That, um, Sid talks that other one. That other one where yeah. he's driving that car. <laughs> yeah, that other one he's driving to get Fast and the Furious. No, <laughs> <laughs> not that one. Oh, yeah. Um, faster. Yeah, that, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, but still, he was a tough, tough guy. Yeah. Got it, out of prison. It brought out a little bit different stuff. And I think this one, actually, there were moments when, they're because they're being funny with each other, like comedy funny, they yeah. were better. Um, but anyway, Statham. Um, I, I'm a fan of Statham. He's a good action guy. Is he a jerk in real life? Because we haven't established. We don't know. I have him. no idea. He's married to Rosie Huntington Whiteley who was the lady from the Transformers movie. Mm. The, the, you remember, like, um, Shia LaBeouf had... Who did he have first? Megan Fox. Yeah. And then she got fired from that movie, and then they replaced her with that supermodel lady. That's who his wife is. Mm. Um, but I've never heard of any stories of Statham being an asshole. <laughs> so perhaps he's just a nice guy. Maybe. Um, talking of nice guys... Not that I know him, but Idris Elba <laughs> plays Brixton. He's not a nice guy in this movie. No. It's very bad. He is, and I really like that he is 100% committed. There's no question mark. There's no, like, tantalizing him back from the dark side. You know what I mean? He is in it 100%. And he is a character from Fast 8, was which it? you... He's a recurring character. I mean, he's... That guy? Yeah. Okay. The same guy. Well, um, was he in Fast 8? When they say, when Statham's saying, like, I killed you, put a bullet in your head. That's kind of how it ended. But then in this one, he's alive again. So he's kind of like, oh, well, those guys rebuilt me. Okay. He was the body. Didn't need to know that. So they You don't need to know it, but. They tell the story well (laughs) enough, you see, with just a few lines here and there to me. Yeah. Because not remembering that, not remembering hardly anything from Fast and the Furious movies. They do a good enough job, even introducing the mom of Jason Statham. She's in prison. She's ornery. She's bad lady, but she's super cool. I got that. I didn't need to see anything else about her. Even though you've family. seen her before in the fast. Yeah, but I don't remember anything about her. Right. I, as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, yeah, I think this that's his mom. Yeah, and she's like a criminal. But I didn't remember her before. But just the scene with her and then understanding the dynamic of their family with the little flashbacks. Totally filled me in. I'll tell you what, the scene between Statham and his mom, who's played by Helen Mirren, um, there was a lot of 
you could tell when it, it the way it was edited together that they were laughing at each other a lot. It seemed like it. Like there was a lot of like smirks on each of the faces, and then you were watching the scene, and you were like, they wouldn't be laughing there, but it looks like they're laughing at each other, um, which is not bad because I was thinking well, it must have just been really fun to film that, you know. But who, know, like, who knows? We weren't there. Um, so next up is Vanessa Kirby as Hattie. She's like um, she's Statham's sister in this movie. Um, how did you like her? She was good. I liked her. I'd like to see her in other things. You've seen her in the last Mission Impossible movie. She was a part of that one. Right, but I don't remember. So she, um, you know, this is like a Mission Impossible movie, really. It's a similar type of deal. She's good because she's uh, she's like a female Statham. She's really badass. She is. She'll kick your ass. She'll strangle you with her legs. You know, she's- And I like that, you know, I understand. I'm not going to delve into the politics or the the depths of sexual dynamics in the world or gender or sexual harassment or Me Too or anything like that. But what I will say is I actually appreciate that in this movie, for better or worse, you know, there's the, um, Dwayne Johnson calls one tattoo lady sweetheart and kind of winks at her and she kind of does the coy thing. So then you're like, oh, sexist. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Sexist, but it's like that's real life. And no, no harm came of it. And then another scene where Statham's like defending his sister and J- Dwayne Johnson's character's like, hey, she's smart. She's tough. She she gets to make her own decisions. That's not up to me. So they're throwing both sides at you where she's she's kind of the damsel in distress. But she's also brought it on herself. She wasn't put in this position. You know what I mean? She wasn't like dragged screaming off somewhere and then put in... She does. It's not that she has no part in the story. She's very pivotal in how the whole story gets going. So I like that. But then just the flirtiness between them, and you kind of go back to old school, like, you know, are we going to see these two get together or not? I like that we're not shying away from that completely. Right. Because then it would feel really sterile. Yeah. And there are some good action sequences with her. Oh, very good. I love the fighting. I love that people understand the dynamic of a woman fighting. I don't... I Like we said, this movie's all... There was a part where she was running across the top of those temporary buildings, which <laughs> yeah. was really cool, and she dives into a car. There was a part where she was driving with Statham, and Statham said, hang on, and then she's flying out the window of the <laughs> car. hanging on, and she does a lot with her <laughs> legs. You get her leg wrapped around your neck, and you're going down. Like, yeah. And that's what you get taught in like self-defense as a woman, is to drop and use your legs to like, you know, kick, because your legs are stronger than your arms and all that, and, and they've integrated the... Using the legs and the weak spots of the dude and all that stuff. So you don't feel like she's just fighting like some wrestler guy on a stage, you know. She demonstrates that when she's fighting the rock in that alley. And she's throwing stuff yeah. at him. And she's <laughs> she's strangling him with her legs. And See, that's another thing from Atomic Blonde I loved was using everything around them in the fights. If yeah. you remember. So that was cool. Yep. Um, Helen Mirren plays Queenie. We saw What did we see her in recently as an, this kind, a kind of character again? I don't remember. Anna. It was. She was like the Russian lady. Oh, true. Yeah, she was quite the honorary like, one in that one. Like the well. handler, wasn't yeah. she? Um, so Helen Miram in this, she's very briefly in it, you know? It's powerful enough, though. I mean, it's not powerful, like, emotional, but it, it lays a groundwork for... Family. Statham as a person and family, and then connecting with the sister, and all, the sister who I guess we've never heard of, but maybe they did in other Fast and the Furious movies. I don't know. 
And then, you know, we didn't. And then Isa Gonzalez plays Madame M. I was excited that she was in it because she's on the cover right there. I like her. She's from from Dust Till Dawn, the series, which was great. And she's right there on the cover, right on um, Idris Elba's shoulder. She's quite prominent. But how long is she in this movie? Like, not even five minutes? Like two scenes, right? Yeah. And they're very short. It's crazy (laughs) uninvolved. It's almost Like, like she was cut out. Like there was more to it. Than that? Yeah, and it unless we are again bridging to another future movie because all she does is kisses him and then that's it. Well, her and her band of lady criminals, um, obviously very slick and very they're almost like Mission Impossible people. They've got a bunch of dudes tied up. They're stealing all the high tech stuff, but we know nothing else about them. It could have been anyone doing anything. Unfortunately, it, it, it actually felt like that her. And her crew there in that house. That actually felt like we'd stepped into another movie that doesn't exist. It did. Exist. Yeah. It did. Like, oh, there's a whole bunch of characters. We, and then we know nothing about them. And then they're gone. And like, it did feel forced to be like, here's a whole band of women criminals. Yeah. It was very obvious. They're all very sexily, scantily clad with their tight, not, not scantily, I guess, but... They're all dressed. She in was a way pretty scantily like, clad. Yeah, yes, she was actually. And she kind of had which I don't mind. But then it's just overtly saying he's relying on this band of criminals, and they're all women, sexy criminals, sexy criminals, which is <laughs> fine. And but we don't get to see a lot of their skills. We just see sort of the aftermath, and yeah. so I like to see the whole process. It felt like there was a whole thing to them that we didn't see that's what it felt like it felt like someone in a boardroom said oh my god what if this is a whole crew of just women and they're hot so, women and they're so hot they'll make you sexist <laughs> <laughs> i think we should make a drinking game from this podcast so every time we reference something else yeah you have to drink and you have to make a note of it and then All right. what was i referencing you, i'm not telling anybody you're so hot you're making me sexist <laughs> I mean, someone might go, why is that funny? But you have to, like, I'll give you a hint. It's a song. Yep, it is. We'll tell you who it is at the end. That's enough. Uh, all right, this is directed by David Leach. He put, he directed Atomic Blonde, which we both really love. Now, you didn't say David Lynch. Leach. Okay. He directed Atomic Blonde. He was also uncredited, as uncredited, get this, as the director of John Wick. Hmm, was he fired? I don't do not understand. I, I looked into it a bit and couldn't find any information. But hmm. if you look for the director of John Wick, it's him. But hmm. then it says uncredited. And he also directed Deadpool too. We haven't, haven't seen the Deadpool movies. Um, going on to the cast here again, um, Ryan, what's he called? I don't remember. Oh, I know who you're talking about. It's not Ryan Philippi or Ryan Seacrest. It's not Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> it's Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> That's it. Ryan Reynolds, who plays Deadpool, is also in this movie. Uh, and you know what? He was quite funny. I thought he was really funny. Especially when he was talking from that, I'm in our favorite diner, and I think it's closed. <laughs> it's really weird when you're here. I think it's... <laughs> Although it was a, that was the most cartoony person. Yeah. His character thing. was a cartoon, for sure. But for some reason, again, I... I, I, found what, I found when he was talking to them at the dinner table, it was really funny what he was coming up with. It felt I've lived a bit, but it was good. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of his style and that it's all 100% Ryan Reynolds. And so I have to kind of like get my head would there. You, would you prefer it if he was Ryan Seacrest? Uh, no, no. <laughs> That's lower down on the scale. I'm not a fan of Ryan Seacrest. 
All right. So, um, yeah, David Has Lynch. Has Ryan ever been in a movie? Probably. Like a Spice Girls kind of movie, but it's about him. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I bet oh, he, my God. I hope no one hears that and goes, oh, we have to make this Ryan Seacrest I bet he movie. was in that movie from Justin to Kelly. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I feel like he was in that. <laughs> I think you're right. Isn't that one of the greatest movies of all time? Uh, did we watch that? No. No. But no, we did no. see the trailer and, and we were like... I felt like putting my fingers Poor down. Kelly Clarkson. Jesus. Yes. Wasn't it her? Yeah. Justin, that Justin guy with the big fluffy hair and her, the That's two idols. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. They, they were like, oh, these two, uh, one Money one. fucking grubbers, aren't they? Yeah. We'll make Ugh. a feature film of these two. God. I don't mean those two. I mean, people in Hollywood and whatnot. They're you mean just, Simon Cowell? Yeah. <laughs> They're just vile. All right. So, um. Uh, David Leach, I wanted to mention, the director of this movie. He definitely brought, like, like Atomic Blonde, those hardcore fight sequences that he'd done on that, they carried across to this, too. He uses the same kind of camera yeah, technique. definitely the same style. Yeah. So if you liked Atomic Blonde, where Atomic Blonde's real serious and kind of dark and moody. I don't know if you'd like it just because. You but... might like this style of fighting, is what I mean. Yeah. he brought that, for sure. Uh, this has 18 minutes of bonus features. It's... On, on the uh, 4K Blu-ray, including deleted scenes, alternate opening, and a bunch of, like, featurettes that cover each thing. They're pretty brief. Um, but there's a director's commentary with the director that I'm going to listen to later this week. I always admire, I always like that when there's a director's commentary. So, um, conclusion on Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. What a terrible title. <laughs> What's your uh, conclusion? It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. I enjoyed it. It was, uh, I, you know, when the cars get to going more than about 30 seconds in the chases and whatnot, other than that motorcycle, I love the motorcycle part. Um, yeah, I get a little bit like, okay, okay, can we move this along? Other than that, I didn't mind the length of it. Someone complained about the length of it, your friend who you watch. Um, what was the length of it? Two hours and something you said. I didn't even notice because I was having a good time. The length of it is, it doesn't tell you. Who who stopped putting the length of a movie on the box of movies? <laughs> you know why? They don't want people to reject it. Like, oh my God, it's too long. Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe there's been, a, like, they did a survey and somebody said, oh yeah, if they look on the back of the box and it says it's longer than two hours, we have bad sales on those movies. You know, somebody probably did that. Yeah, probably. Ugh. Yeah, it's about two hours and 15 minutes. And people say, I did read a few reviews that said it was too long, but I disagree. I didn't. I, it was over before I knew it. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there we go. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was really fun. And I expected you to hate this movie. Even while you were watching it? No, just hmm. during this week when I knew what the movie was going to be. <laughs> I was like, oh. Like, this is why you didn't tell me. Well, you knew, I think, because no, I told I didn't. you last week. I didn't know. Well, you. I don't soak up the stuff that I don't care about. All right, what are IMDb reviews? Mm, reviews on IMDb? And some of them have one star. And you like to read them in a funny voice because you think it's hilarious when you disagree with them. But then we kind of champion them when we agree. And, why and I can we... guarantee you, the one you're going to read, the one that's like the one person out there in the world who keeps writing this about every single movie, is that either waste of two hours of my life or worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah, Go probably. Go for it. So yeah, well, I'll read you the bad reviews for this movie because the good ones are boring. <laughs> All right. 
Number one from Sean Hosson on IMDb says, Let the franchise die in peace. This is one of the worst movies of the year and definitely the worst in the series. They don't even race anymore. Instead, The Rock holds onto helicopters with a metal chain. I can't believe I'm seeing ratings of 10. The story is so poorly constructed, it's embarrassing. These people are the reason for garbage like the Transformers. Save yourself and have some respect. Don't watch this trash. <laughs> all right, there's that guy. There's that guy, all right. Um, this guy says... Lee Med says, This film is the epitome of millennial trash. I, I guarantee you there's not even a millennial in this movie or making... I No, there is not. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's way too old. <laughs> it's certainly not a millennial. Or too young. Those are the only options yeah, you have there. That's true. Um, this guy says... If anything, it's middle-aged men sitting around a table trying to like reinvigorate themselves by being tough guys yep. i.e the three stars of this movie <laughs> it's certainly not a millennial not a millennial in thing sight. at all no um this guy says cruise 82 maybe tom cruise who knows he says i can't believe i wasted two hours of my life with this piece of crap oh my i call this crappy money-making hollywood style hollywood mix uh, he says, just take every stupid movie ever made, put it in a blender, and there you have it. Fast and the Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> it's the most ridiculously stupid script ever, where logic and physics law do not exist, combined with super bad CGI and bad acting. I just wish the 90s Hollywood would come back where people were naive and movies were really good. Oh, right, like fucking Die Hard. Yes. Very believable. Very believable. And Commando and Rambo. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that I would compare this movie and say it's better than any other movie of its type. I can't, you know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. I enjoy it. But then I can understand, and the, your guy said this as well, I can I could totally agree when someone, when someone would say, that's so crappy and so boring and it's so blah. You'd be like, yeah, I get it. Or if someone says, that was awesome, I loved it. You'd be like... Yep, I understand that too. It's one of those. I don't think that it... How would you think that the action movies of the 90s are more realistic? I mean... I no idea. What are we really talking not. about? What kind of action movies are from the 90s? Let's just bang them out here. I think Die Hard's from the late 80s, isn't it? Like Air Force One. How realistic is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect example. Let's go back to those days. <laughs> Oh my god, people, people, yeah. people. And finally, the last guy here says, This movie was boring. There was one good action scene on a skyscraper, but of course, that scene was ruined by a corny joke. My fiancé and I went to the theatre where you could order food. When the food ran out, we were ready to go. He was just as equally bored as I was. So we both had no interest in finishing this film. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm nice glad you had a nice dinner, us, though. <laughs> an insight into your, into like your whole evening. That's I wonder great. what they had. Nachos, you reckon? Or nachos? Nachos, nachos. Nachos. You say nachos, I say tomato. You say nacho. Nacho. All I'm right. not making fun of you. I'm just saying. Those are the bad movies, bad movie reviews. Um, thanks to Universal for giving us a copy of the movie for review. Next week, we're looking at the movie The Kitchen. It's about a kitchen. You know what I'm saying? I do. 
It probably isn't about a kitchen. I'm just. Is it spelled that. like the whole world? The whole word kitchen. Kitchen, the kitchen could okay, be Hell's Kitchen. Okay. Yeah, the kitchen. It stars Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men. All right, movie recommendations. I am going on the this film. Reminded me a lot of Goldeneye, which is one of my favorite Bond movies. Goldeneye is really over the top. The stunts are crazy. And it's awesome. And my other one, which is a movie that's really over the top, compared to the first you know, movie, is um, Rambo 2. You say you've never seen Rambo 2. I didn't say I never saw it. I said if I did, I don't remember it. Right. Well, see? Rambo 1 is really down to earth and kind of gritty. Is it and that? Then, and then Rambo 2 is like Fast and the Furious. It's like nuts. Hmm. It's like somebody went... Yeah, you know what? You know Rambo? It was like really like, you know, down to earth and gritty. What happens if we like turn it up to a thousand? That's kind of how Rambo 2 is. So I recommend in those two. I'm not saying Rambo 2 is an excellent movie. It's just a fun, it was a fun thing at the time. Yours are? My recommendations are Transporter and Atomic Blonde, as I have mentioned. Because I like Transporter for it's just like, whoa, kind of Luke action. Besson. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's because of him, because he's not great on everything. And I think he's a bit of a, unfortunately, he's one of the Me Too people, but potentially. But, he isn't um, one of the Me Too people, actually. Is he not? No. Nope. Good. He, he, it was, it was proved, completely proved. Okay. It wasn't. Because we had this time frame yeah. over the last year where you would say, oh, who's the creep of the no. day? And I would say, unfortunately, here's the new creep of the day. He could not loop us on off that because okay. he, it was, he was, uh, it, it all went through Paris courts and everything, and he was... Uh, I mean, I still don't know. I'm not, I wasn't was innocent. there, but... Yeah. Okay. I still like Transporter, and of course I love Fifth Element. Um, and Atomic Blonde, just because it's just got a vibe, it's got good music, I like her, I like her story of the person, who she is, the fight scenes are awesome, and it feels like, damn. David Le- Le- David Leach? Leach? His next movie is Atomic Blonde 2. I'll watch that movie. I will watch that movie. I'll watch that movie. All right, so uh, Ace Gully stuff. I've been playing a new game this week called Death Stranding. Sid Talk, who experienced the first two hours, I would say, with me. I'd say an hour and a half I lasted. Were you bored after an hour and a half? I wasn't really bored. I was just thinking I could be going and playing my own game. Oh, it's very selfish. It's not the kind of story. <laughs> I don't contribute anything. It's not the kind of story where I'm watching a story unfold within a limited number of hours. Oh, it's a pretty big game, yeah. Yeah, and so I like those where I'm watching you play, you know, like the Walking Dead games. Man of Madan that we played recently. The Man of Madan and then the Wolf and the Wolf Amongst Us or whatever it was called. I like that one a lot. Yep. But this one, I mean, it's just, it's lovely to look at. It's kind of chill and it's kind of weird and I liked it, but I wouldn't sit and watch you play it for 60 hours. Would you sit and watch me play it ever again? What do you mean? If I was playing it like later, would you look at it? Yeah. Or would you just bugger off? I'd probably look at it. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) this is a game by... I mean, here's what's the scenario. I'm sitting on the couch. I've already got the blanket on me. I've got my phone in my hand and you begin to play this game. Am I going to jump out of my comfortable seat just to avoid it? Absolutely not. Will I be staring at it the whole time? Probably not. But I will sit there and eyeball it. 
It's quite good, actually. I, I and really listen to you talk to it and to your controller or whatever you talk to when you're playing games. I'm uh, enjoying it. It's by Hideo Kojima, the creator of the Metal Gear Solid franchise. He is a, I would say, an artistic game designer, wouldn't you say? I mean, he he's... Is Less, he's got his own vision. Yeah, he's not really... He said very publicly he doesn't like things like Call of Duty where people shoot each other. It's not really his thing. He doesn't make games like that. Hmm. He uh, tries to make things that people wouldn't expect. So this game is very different to other games. It's hard to explain even. How would you explain it? Well... It depends on what people think of a game to begin with. If you think Frogger is the only kind of video game, then this is difficult to explain to you. But you are in a 3D world with very real, semi-mostly realistic looking people and places and things. And you're a guy in a, in a future where some bad shit's gone on and people don't go to each other anymore at all. They don't go out into the wilderness. They don't go drive down roads or anything. They stay where they are and they have these delivery people bring them everything. And he's the delivery guy and he has his own issues. And then there's like this other weird part where it's like death and life are all mingled together now. And so it's all fucked up. I mean, Hideo Kojima, I don't know how else to describe your game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's like, well, the Death Stranding, which is the title, is an event that happened in America. Because it only mentions America, not the rest of the world. And the dead, kind of, when they die, they turn into ghosts. And their bodies, the dead body, after a certain amount of time, explodes and leaves a giant crater. So dead bodies are kind of a no-no in this world, because they're a giant ticking clock that's going to explode. So they have to incinerate bodies as soon as... I assume that's because it needs that kind of energy for them to get that split thing where they're alive, but they're in the dead side. Right. And the ghost... I'm just adding stuff here that I because I don't understand. So let's put it this way. Like, a person dies in this world, which is America, in the future, and they die, and there's the body, and after a certain amount of time, the body explodes, leaves a giant crater... You don't want that happening because the whole place will end up like blown up, right? So you also don't want people killing each other. You don't want mass genocide. You don't want anything like that because it's going to kill everything. And when the person dies, their ghost goes into this otherworldly place. There are certain people who can see these ghosts and they're just there floating around and they're kind of dangerous. So it makes everything dangerous and that's why nobody wants to go out. So the world is nothing. And what's another thing about this game? You have a baby. Called I don't a, think you can describe it. You have a, br- a baby called a bridge baby strapped to your front. And that baby can tell you when the ghosts are around. There's that. If you explain this game, you're going to be here for three hours. Because there is, you have to describe what the baby is and where does the baby come I'm from. Not, and what about is, the place where the babies come from. It's very complex. There is... Uh, our lead character is played by Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead. And it is him in the video game? It is him talking and it's his motion capture and it looks exactly like him. There's no mistaking it's Norman Reedus. He has another name in the game, right? He's like... Mm-hmm. something Porter Bridges. Sam Porter Sam. Bridges is his name. Correct. But um, I just see him as Norman Reedus, <laughs> to be honest, because he's got that... 
grumbly kind he of. He does. <laughs> Do you like that Norman Reedus impression? It's pretty good. Um, I like it as much as I like the Norman Reedus for real voice. <laughs> <laughs> There's other people in it. Leah Sado is in it. You will know her. She's been a Bond girl, actually. Um, she plays a character called Fragile. Gem- yeah, um, I can't say it. Say it for me. Gamero. What? Homero del Toro. Homero. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro is in this in this game. Um, Lindsay Wagner, the bionic woman, is in this game. You realize you're talking about this game more than you're talking about the movie. Hold on. Hold on. I'm just saying. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And um, I've played about, I would say, four hours, maybe. It's 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 all it is not made from there's a lot of people complaining saying it's boring but i like american truck simulator which is another game i'm going to talk about this week <laughs> i like um the, the kind of chilled nature of delivering things and this game's you're a delivery man and you you're on foot you're not in a car you're walking and all the all the parcels are on your back and you've got to balance the parcels with a mechanic for balancing on your controller. And the terrain you are going across is not very flat. It's lots of mountains, rocks that are in your way. And it's a whole, like, like a balancing act of getting these parcels from one place to another, not falling over and breaking the parcels. And it's really... I'm just going to be honest with you. It sounds really boring. And the way you're talking about it, it's really boring and really long. So I can understand why some people are like, oh, God... However, they haven't experienced it, so it's only fair to like watch somebody play or watch a video of it or get it and play it, because the description is not riveting. No, but th- what's interesting is... Is it, though? <laughs> if that sounds like something interesting to you, like, you, you're all used to playing video games if you play video games where there's action all the time. You're shooting stuff, you're leveling up, you you know, whatever it is, even down to Pac-Man. It's just action the entire uh, time. Pac-Man. The game I'm playing isn't. I've built a city. No, but then the, a game like game you're playing, it's very. Some you could explain that, and that would sound boring, right? It'd be very boring because right now I'm trying to manage the traffic around my industrial zone. So yeah, I understand, but you don't. I'm not describing my game. So what's great is Death Stranding is this AAA like, you know, hundred million dollar game from Sony that is exactly what Hideo Kojima wanted to make and not like trying to be commercial and making sure everybody likes it. He just made a thing that he wanted to make. And even he has described it as a new genre. Like maybe he said like, you know, I made Metal Gear Solid and then people, he actually said when I made Metal Gear Solid, I didn't know what genre it was. And then people started saying, Oh, this is like stealth action. And, there's ne- and then he said, like, all of a sudden, there was loads of games that were similar to Metal Gear Solid. Then it became a genre of its own. He's like, well, this game, I don't know what genre it is. Maybe somebody will give it a name, and maybe there'll be loads of games like it in the future. And I don't disagree, you know? He's kind of invented something that's different. And as a video gamer who plays a lot of games, and there's a lot of generic stuff that you play, this one sticks out to me as something kind of special. But... Definitely not for everybody. And the other game I've been playing this week... Oh, God, there's another one. <laughs> ...is American Truck Simulator, and they've added a new DLC to it. Everybody, you might want to get a cup of coffee. 
And this is awesome. <laughs> I want to thank my friend at American Truck Sim who sent me a key for this. He's called Pavel, and he's awesome. Um, he managed. He put us on the list for getting American Truck Sim stuff. And the DLC is Utah. So, like, this started off like as three states. This game. It's a, you're a truck. It's a truck simulator. You're delivering stuff in a truck. Um, it's really fun. You like it, right? Me? Yeah. I mean, I don't do it. No, I don't but play you, it. You can appreciate it. I reckon. I can appreciate it. Yes. It looks really cool. It fit, actually looks very realistic, I think. When you're driving, it's like, oh, all the signs are right, you know. You go on the highway, you have to obey all the laws of the road. But Utah is the latest state that they've added to it. I think it's about Now, 50- just let me clarify. He's talking about Utah. There's Utah. no R on the end of it, but yes. U-T-A-H. Correct. Utah. Utah. Um, <laughs> now, when I started the game and I got the new DLC, I was in California, so I had to drive to Utah to even see it which was an hour drive so i drove in real life it wouldn't be an hour drive but in this game the way the roads are it is but i got there what's what is if i was to ask you have you been to utah first off i've been across it in a train right so what would be what would be the characteristics of it that's different from here for instance missouri Mm, there's some kind of like well, I was across a more desolate part of it with lots of... Is it of desert? Deserty formations-ish. It was yeah. just a corner, so, you know. See, in the game, I drove from Vegas to Utah. Well, I drove from California to Vegas and then through to Utah. And as in the game now, Vegas and Utah don't look that much different, to be honest. Does it get different the further you go into it? Sure, yeah. Right, so I'm in the deserty bit. So, yeah, it's a huge thing. 3,000 miles of new road they've added. So that'll take you some time to drive. And they've added all, like, Salt Lake City is in there. All the major Utah. I'm really looking forward to when they add Missouri, you know? I mean, I could take you all over Missouri. That would not be a problem. (laughs) Yeah, but do you have a truck and can I deliver stuff? I don't have a truck, no. But we deliver stuff, just randomly take stuff to people. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Truck Simulator Utah is a... $15 $15 expansion. It's seriously hours and hours and hours. If you're into this game, American Truck Simulator, you, I, I doubt you even think about, you just buy the DLC when it comes out because you want to add another state. And eventually it, it will be the whole of America and you'll be able to drive from one side of America to the other delivering stuff. It's really fun. What's for dinner, Sid Talk? Probably Impossible Whopper. Not probably. Probably Impossible Whopper. Probably, probably has some value. Probably has a bit of value. Do we Nobody have to drink? Get that oh, we have to drink. Hold on. <laughs> Nobody will get that reference. That's not a movie. <laughs> probably a possible whopper. We we'll do the once a week thing now for the world. Well, even though it takes me almost an hour to go get it, which gets early on my nerves. But whatever. All right, impossible. I don't whopper. know if it's worth it. It's delicious. But it is to you. Also, uh, all right, what's your advice? And then we'll leave. My advice is, because I observe this in people, and I'm not this, and so I'm advising against being it. Now, I've realized that sounds very biased, because I'm telling people. (laughs) Okay, I dislike in life when someone's talking to you and you have an opinion, you're expressing an opinion about something. Could be anything. Could be this movie. Could be that game you're playing, whatever. And they just smile and they go, oh, yeah, oh, uh uh-huh, mm-hmm. And on the inside, you can actually 
tell that their brain is fighting the urge to disagree with you, but they're so fucking afraid to disagree that they just nod and smile and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it could be about anything. It could be as big as religion and politics, raising children, money, marriage, games, or how many minutes to put your tea bag in the cup, right? I just despise it when people don't say, what is, what is the point of pers- being a person, right? If you just go along with everybody all the time. I don't understand it. Um, all I can say is that you will never regret being honest. It might be bumpy. It can get painful. People will reject you. I am living proof of this. People will dislike you. People will literally, I'm from a small town and there's one particular person who also happens to be a cousin of mine. She does not like me expressing my opinion, but instead of her and I having actual discussion to my face once I went to the small fair, she just looked at me, scowled a little, and walked away. <laughs> like there was no like bridging that gap at all. And I'm just like, hey, how are you? Like, you know, da da da. But there's, because she has no in between. There is either I have to completely reject you or I have to fake it with a fake smile and a little nod and then complain about you behind your back or talk about you behind your back, right? Or keep it all inside where it just eats you away. I understand there are some people in the world and in our lives who, if you express strong opinions, they are violent and horrible. And I don't advocate, you know, lighting that fuse, but they're not worth it anyway. Who gives a shit? Like walk away from them anyway. They don't matter. They just don't matter. Um, but in everyday life, if you're at work, depending on the culture of your job, what's appropriate or acceptable discussions, sitting and nodding and smiling and being like, I, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then as the person walks away, you turn around and go, oh my God, she's so stupid. How can she possibly think that? Ah, you know, instead of like confronting it. I don't understand that tiny little sliver there where in that moment of time, people are afraid or they can't be bothered to just say, oh no, that movie's really dumb. I hated that movie. Like, are you worried the person's gonna reject you forever because you disagree with them? I don't know. I just find it vile. <laughs> vile. It is vile because why are you alive if you're not here to be who you are? Like, truly be who you are. And yes, you will ruffle feathers and you will get people. There are some people who will just blank you out. They'll unfriend you. My own brother is, <laughs> has unfriended me on Facebook because he doesn't like that I support my nieces, his daughters, in the things that they believe in and that they think about and that they support that he disagrees with. And so he can't even confront that or cope with it. So he just avoids it. I just think that's bullshit. Like, what's the worst going to happen? You're going to go, well, I don't like that. Well, I do. Well, let's talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it. And then you learn about each other. You can still walk away disagreeing, but now you least, I don't know, it it just doesn't make sense to me to avoid all confrontation. I think it's lazy and the end of your life is going to come someday. And if you have time to think about it, you will not ever regret saying your being who you are. You might regret not saying your opinion. You might lay there going, Oh God, why did I, why did I just, you know, agree with everybody all the time? Like I wasted my life being nothing. I know that's harsh, but 
it just gets on my nerves. That's pretty harsh. It is, but that's me giving you my opinion. (laughs) And I would do it if you were sitting right next to me. You know, I'm not, this isn't because there's a microphone and a computer and a million miles between me and the people. Um, If we were sitting across each other at a diner having a discussion, I would say the same thing, like exactly the same. You would see me with my hands in the air and the expression on my face and like tone of my voice. It would be exactly the same. I would not shy away from it. All right. So, well said. Mm-hmm. Ah, debatable. So you can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Catch this podcast anywhere that podcasts. I tell you at the beginning of the show every week. Anywhere there is a podcast, apart from Spotify. You can uh, email feedback to me at aschoolyaschoolly dot com. Go email Sid Talk, and you can. You can if you want, <laughs> but don't. <laughs> and um, stay classy. The Fast and the Furious. Is it classy? That's a push. That's not classy. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone is doing it for you. 